Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North. Kyle and Sam here. And you know what? Let's get started. Just last episode, we were talking a little bit about uh, predictions. We were we were recording about 24 hours before the final cuts were going to be made and the Vikings got down to the 53-man roster. And we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about what would be a success or not and threw out some numbers. And so, Kyle, why don't you share your final final score here? So I think my final tally was at 49 out of 53, which I would consider to be a pretty good score. Not perfect, obviously, but pretty good. Um, I didn't foresee Verdarian Lowe being traded, so I had him on a final roster. He ended up getting traded. I didn't foresee Luigi Villan getting cut, nor did I see Asesio de Miwo being cut. And then I think the other one was Juwan Williams, the corner, who is sent back on. Both Luigi Villan and Juwan Williams are back on the practice squad. Uh, Onomiwo is over with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Good for him. That's a young ascending team. Hopefully he can stick around there. And then obviously the Vidarian low trade. So I didn't foresee those four moves. And that's kind of what brought me down. Um, that's kind of what brought me down. Now, one thing that was interesting, and you can kind of, I don't know how you'd want to score this or not. You know, the one kind of miss I was, I thought Vidarian Lowe was in on offense. And I thought Jalen Rager was out on offense. Where in reality, Vidarian Lowe was out and Jalen Rager was in. Now, I don't know how you want to kind of work with that reality of like Jalen Rager ended up being cut less than 24 hours later. Um, I guess I still got four names wrong. And so that leaves me at, you know, I put in four players who aren't actually there. Um, I guess with Rager, the consolation prize, I guess, not that you want to celebrate somebody being cut, but the sense I had, I think ended up being correct that he just didn't have a spot on the team. And now he's now with New England. New England plays Philadelphia Eagles in week one. And so it's kind of curious to see, is this just an instance of maybe Belichick getting some intel on the week one opponent and then moving on from Rager? Or is this giving a chance to a guy who's got some upside, that first round you know, history and so on and so forth, and and maybe even gets into the lineup against Philly? So and And, and moving forward, who knows? But in any case, that's kind of an interesting one to see um and Rager, I think uh if you remove that first round kind of tag, I just don't think he earned a spot. And and I'm not sure I entirely agree with the belief that he even had a very strong preseason. I'm not sure I agree with that either. Mm-hmm. Um but in any case, that's kind of how it went down. 49 out of 53, Sam was my final. And I think Sam, you were down at 33 out of 53, right? Yeah, I I didn't I didn't throw anything out, but I I was yeah. I thought about it more and more just as we were talking about like what is that line that you need to to meet to be able to say like hey what's the Mendoza yeah. line of like what is the success here and I know we yeah. kind of threw it out, threw it forty three like I think I think your number is like forty nine is is a good job but I think yeah, realistically yeah. you, you think about it like how many are those how many people are bubble players and even you look at all the guys that didn't play this preseason. Uh, yeah. that were like hey you know what these are locks and and so uh you feel like you definitely had uh a lot of free spaces on the the bingo card uh, mm-hmm. but but again well done uh good work i did not Thank have you. 33 just to clear that up i did i just <laughs> didn't put anything out there um, i was trying to be generous he's at 32 but yeah, yeah. um yeah. the other biggest i think the like that's big news but the biggest news i think from this week and even uh because it's something that yep. 
uh, really has been felt around the whole NFL is the TJ Hawkinson extension. Yeah. And so we right. were anticipating that this might get done. I don't know like the timing surprised me. I don't know if it surprised you, uh, but again, big yeah. record setting number, uh, a lot of money for a very talented player. Uh, maybe just, again, there's probably different angles we could take on this, but just from your perspective, what's the sense that you have as to, you know what, how do you feel about this as a Vikings fan? Well, I think Vikings fans should be excited, uh, obviously, because like Hawkinson is a great player and, and he deserves to be well paid because he's at the top of his position. And so that's not really the debate. The only concern I had, and I've written about this multiple times on PTSD, so like it's it's out there, it's in digital ink, um, is just simply that he was not explosive at all in his 10 games with the Vikings. Now, there might be reasons for that. But prior to coming to the Vikings, you know, his previous games with Detroit, he was up over 15 yards per catch. Comes to the Vikings, and I think he's down like 8.6. You know what I mean? Which is not good. Like finding finding a tight end to an average less than 10 yards per catch is not difficult in any way. Tyler Conklin was a fifth-round player, and he averaged better than that in his final season with the Vikings. Now, that doesn't mean that's not necessarily an indictment on Hawkinson. It might just be how they had to use him, given the other things going on with their offense, right? So... You know, I would look for him to be more explosive this year. Uh, the kind of phrasing, so this is Tom Pelissero, who is one of the best league insiders and has ties to Minnesota because he used to do Minnesota stuff. And this is what he tweeted out. He says, TJ Hawkinson hasn't participated in training camp while dealing with some ambulance, waiting to deal. I'll be back in drills, yada, yada, yada. Oh, shoot. And then he has some sort of thing, something of effect of, um, this was essentially the deal that was handed out. Yeah, here it is here. So, this is pretty close to the deal that was on the table before training camp started in July. Roughly a month later, with the clock running up for Hawkinson to be ready for week one, the sides agreed and the Vikings had the TE1 locked in for the long haul. So that kind of leads me to believe Pelissero was saying this is essentially the deal that's been on the table, you know, for weeks, over a month. And so I don't know how much you want to go into that, but maybe the sense that Hawkinson, not caved, but maybe kind of, you know, this Jerry Jones deadline makes deals week you know the year's coming up and he kind of goes with this contract because i think even for all the headlines and honestly goodness like relying on annual average as some sort of like big deal i just think is so insane because this isn't hockey where like contracts are basically guaranteed this is the nfl where that's not close to reality right like the vikings have really committed to hawkinson for the next three years and then after that it kind of opens up right and even the, the cap hit this year is less than five million Right. And then from 2026 onward, so year four, I mean, the Vikings could free up 12.4 million with a simple cut. Right. And then the year after that, they could free up 18 million with a simple cut. And that's that's no June one shenanigans. That's just true blue normal cut. So if you're a Vikings fan, you're concerned about the massive numbers and think, oh, crap, how are we going to afford this? I don't think you should be that concerned. And then, you know, with Hawkinson, I'm happy for him. It's a great deal. Uh, I hope that they get him down the field more to kind of attack the intermediate area. He's not meant to be a burner 50, 60 yards down the field, but he can be 15, 20, 25 yards down the field and do damage while there. So th- those are kind of my Hawkinson thoughts. Um, sure. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, no, I think I think you make some good points. And I think one of them, like you talk about yards per catch, I think yep. that certainly is impacted by play calling. And, and there did feel like there were, I, like even as I think about catches that Hawkinson made last year, a lot of them were uh, 
felt like again shorter throw kind of exactly. as a tight end you know safe option of precisely if if the precisely. first option down the field isn't available he was there and, and he was steady and those are important again those six eight yard catches uh really keep drives alive but like you said there is some hope that uh when you yep. look at the the discrepancy i guess between his performance before in detroit versus now uh and and now with the whole like the experience and chance to have an off season where uh, you're right. integrating into yeah. play play uh, play design yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah. The the last thing I'll just say is that glad for the guy and, and you mentioned the contract. When you look at it just strictly from numbers, you can be like, whoa. But but again, it yeah. seems like it's pretty. I I think for as much as a a, a record deal can be team friendly it does feel a little bit team friendly there um i think as a yep. fan you're you're happy for the guy while also you don't always love that it's your team that's handing out the record setting deals where there's a lot a lot of money there um mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. you hope uh, that he continues to do what he's doing and there was a lot of really good things that he has shown so far in his young career and you do just anticipate that things are going to continue to get better so uh, he's only 26 and so yeah. the age is good so yeah uh good well let's move on here and again this is our last episode before regular season football begins and so we're just gonna throw out a couple uh i'm I'm gonna throw up a couple questions here uh just before we get to actually see what's going on again we haven't outside of training camp we haven't actually seen uh the starting unit together uh, yeah, that's right. In in what we would have seen in preseason football. And so we've got lots of anticipation of what is to come, what things will look like, but still aren't completely sure how it's all going to go down. And so I'm going to ask just questions on, on either side. One, this season will be a success if fill in the blanks season won't be a success if, and, and looking at, you know what, what is it specific? Is there a specific position group? Is there a specific uh detail that you feel like they need to really figure out uh, and then mm-hmm. at the end we'll give our um specific prediction for what is the vikings record going to be uh so okay. let, let's start let's start with the the issues maybe or the 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 challenges like this season won't be a successive and and any thoughts as to hey you know what this feels like it's really important for this vikings team to be able to have success and by success i think we're probably saying the line is playoffs at this at this point and not just that but probably a game or two in the playoffs like like winning at least one or two games right and i think that that you can't you're not going to do things like again you're it's a process so you want to get there but you you can control that once you get there right yeah, now that's true. You're, you're controlling the the regular season you need to get yourself there to be able to mm-hmm. to do that so again we yep. look at the whole season as a whole that that makes sense but yeah as we as we look at it what needs to happen so if the interior offensive line doesn't collectively demonstrate a better anchor and or you know the offensive play calling doesn't uh you know help out the pass pro you know whether it be kind of um you know like a lot like a quick hits to kind of slow down or screen game that's really effective to slow down the pass rush or maybe you know varying the cadence and 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 you know when the ball is snapped, just 
kind of this collective holistic approach to ensuring that Cousins isn't getting suplexed all the time. Uh, if that doesn't occur, the Vikings might be in some trouble. Basically, the sense being that we know the defense are going to have some issues. Will they get better? Almost certain. Will they be great? Almost certainly not. So the offense has to be top tier, is my belief. And if they're not top tier, there could be some problems. And so the you know the glaring weakness there is Cleveland, Bradbury, Ingram. And if those three collectively aren't excellent, or, or not even not excellent, but like competent, like average, they're a little bit above average even, uh, there could be some problems potentially. Because then you're talking about an offense that maybe doesn't get into the top five, maybe is on the cusp of the top 10, maybe kind of like highest teens. And if that's the case, the Vikings are going to have a tough time. Yeah. No, I, I think I think that's fair. And I think really the it's like it's like a need to be average like need to be yes need to yes. not be a weakness need to be average hope for more yep. and so yes. as you said like it's a problem if they don't meet that average and and by average just again there's there's some metrics you could look at i'm not sure what mm-hmm. what you would would deem but certainly uh even i i saw some charts somewhere this week about each position and and if they're below average average all pro all all these tiers and and so i think you yeah. need to make sure that especially because uh of it's a it, like the whole offensive line is a collective but it does feel like that interior offensive line is a, a subset in and of itself and because mm-hmm. of the question marks there uh i think that makes sense mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so i i want to throw one in the sense that i think that um this th- there will be some problems if that 2022 draft class does not yeah. take the next step. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Yeah. I, I think if you look at it, especially you got uh seen, you got Booth Jr. and you got Evans. And again, Booth Jr. and Scene had some injury challenges, and so that obviously impacted their performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evans did well. Evans too. Um I mean he but, but he was hurt injury. as well, right? Yeah. Uh but uh especially those guys uh I feel like they need to take that next step. And I think, again, you've have your, your Jeffersons and, and Darisaws that uh, you've drafted and they've continued to progress and you do hope that they continue to, but you also have, they've shown the ability to do that so far. And so you, you feel yeah. pretty confident about it, uh, but it does feel like that's one of the things that this Vikings team as a general whole has been lacking is those, drafted players coming in and, and building off of their success and, and the potential yeah. that they were drafted for um, to, yeah. to move into the next stage. And those two, Jefferson Darisau, those are Spielman guys. And right. so, you know, you credit KO and those dudes in place for like continuing their development, but they're not responsible for bringing them in the door in the first place. Right. So, and then of course, Ingram, interior alignment is part of that draft class that you're talking about. So, and then you think Brian Asamoa as well, you know, he's going to have a starting linebacker job. And so, you know, can he maybe not be a one for one replacement for Kendricks, but, you know, can he maybe even be a better fit in, in this? Like, maybe he doesn't, you know, climb to that all pro level that Kendricks was at for a time, but is he even a better fit in the right now for Flores' defense? Right. And that's part of basically what you're saying is the team is going to have a tough time if they have a, a draft class that's also going through a sophomore slump 
just kind of collectively. And then Ty Chandler, frick, Ty Chandler, Nick Muse. Like there's a lot of players that are leaning on from that crew to actually do something this year. So we will see. We will see. But if that, if they, yeah, you're basically right. I think if that group struggles collectively, it could be a long season. Yeah. Um, good. Well, let, let's look at, again, I wanted to start with that because I wanted to, to end with, with the positive. And again, we, it, it would be easy to just reverse what we were saying in terms of uh, like, this is a problem versus this is not a problem uh, by just saying the reverse yeah. of what we said in, in the other area, but Maybe what's one other spot? Like when you think about, hey, you know what? I'm excited about this and I feel like there's some potential and like this is what's going to go well for this team to really take um, the the step in it. Again, we'll we'll get to the record piece. I think uh, it's yeah. hard to judge on record and, and we can talk about how realistic that 13-4 record last year was in terms of actual overall Vikings play, but they were a good team. And so how do they continue to have that success this year? What what needs to happen uh, from, from your yeah. vantage point? I think those two main offensive additions in free agency, Byron Murphy, Marcus Davenport, I think they both end up looking good. From pretty early on and kind of throughout the year, I feel good about both of them. I think Vikings fans should as well. Uh, but especially, I mean, Murphy, because he just, he stands out. He's so important to the corners. You know what I mean? Just so important to the corners. Uh, but Davenport in particular, I get excited about a pass rusher. I just think he's going to be a bit of a chess piece. They're going to move him, you know, up and down the line. I think he's going to thrive. I know Dustin just did one of these things on Vikings territory where he gets people to contribute, uh, like predictions or this or that. And I, I can't really excited with it. But uh, mine was that Davenport, for the first time in his career, gets to double-digit sacks. That's that's my thing with Davenport. I think Flores is going to move that dude all over the place. And I'm really, really excited to see what he's going to do. Uh, working with Flores, working with Neil Hunter. I just think he's going to have a good year. So give me those two, uh, but with a kind of a zeroed in focus on Davenport as someone who's going to basically be a menace, kind of just from week one onward. He's going to be someone who people are really worried about. That's that's the hope, at least. Yeah, no, I think that that makes sense to me. And again, the... When we talk, when we like look at these individual statistics, he said double digit sacks, like that's going to be about opportunity as well as when you think about a guy like Davenport health. Uh, and if yeah, he can, that's right. Like in some ways, um, if he can stay healthy, then those numbers potentially take care of themselves. Like if he ends up playing 16 of the 17 games, yeah, you're exactly, I think you're quite happy about that because you know that when he is there, he can do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know, I think Murphy is important. I think you need, to have a collective group of uh, defensive backs that can do a good job, but you do need uh, that true guy that at least exactly doesn't like th- that. You know, you're going against um, your yeah. Cooper Cups. You're going against uh, exactly like, Tyreek. Like who who do you put? And again, there's yep. always different guys that are going to match up better because based on speed or size. Uh, but you need a guy that's like, hey, you know what? we feel pretty confident that we can go against this guy. Not that he's going to shut him down. Cause I don't think expecting that, but, but not going to uh, get burned for double digit catches for triple digit yards. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's a, that's a good one. I, for me, I think the place that I think there's a lot of hope and I think we saw glimpses of it. And I think there is a lot of talk about it is within the offense and the receiving group that we yeah. know what Jeff, Justin Jefferson is, but, looking for yeah. 
a real legit second and, and probably real legit third option. Uh, yeah, I man. think you yeah. probably feel like Hawkinson is that second option. Uh, but, yeah. But, but, yeah. but potent, like if an Osborne or Addison really step up and become that second option and Hawkins is the third option, you're thrilled. Uh, and oh my so gosh, yes. Yeah. You're looking for for that. And I think Thielen has been that while also it's his role has been diminishing this offense for a couple of years. And so exactly. if you see, and, and if, uh, if you have your Osborne's and Addison's, like imagine all four of those guys are rolling. And again, they're not going to all be able to roll uh, every week, but if you can have four guys contributing significantly in this offense, uh, you know, you have a quarterback that can get them the ball. And so you feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. yeah and the thing with, you know, feeling I can go back to that point about explosiveness. Last year, he averaged 10.2 yards per reception. That's the lowest number in his career. Yeah. Right. 10.2 is not good for wide receiver. Right. And so, like, if you get that boost, you know what I mean? Beyond just Jefferson being your only, like, explosive guy, whereas other guys are kind of, you know, the yards per catch kind of suggests you're a bit of a possession guy. Right. And we're kind of lacking that. It's not that they were lacking a killer instinct because Cousins was a stone cold killer the end of the game kind of thing and and they had several players step up and help him with that obviously but getting some of those averages up if addison can be better than that if hawkinson can improve in his numbers if jefferson can continue being the explosive dude oh boy oh boy defenses might be back on their heels consistently and if that's the case then you know that helps to neutralize that pass rush right if you're feeling like hey we need to we can't blitz these dudes because when we blitz these dudes, you know, they're just they're just slicing and dicing us. Like we need to drop more men in coverage, maybe, whatever, whatever it is. We want defenses to feel like, oh my gosh, uh, we're just kind of in this bind. Yeah, we can double Jefferson here in this third down, but Addison is frigging cooking this corner who's trying to match him up one on one and he's just juking him out of his fleets. And if that's the case, you know, especially if Hawkinson's attacking the you know the seams, this and that, that that's basically where you want to be for KO, like as an offensive guy. As a, if, if that's Flores, what's going on with his defense? He's pissed. Um, but there is so much potential there, not just through the receivers, but as you're saying with Hawk, like the pass catchers more generally, man, they may do some damage. They may, they may just, it may just be just kind of like this kid in the candy store, Kevin O'Connell, and just, you know, just go into this array of weapons. It, it could be, it could be amazing. It really has that potential. Um, so there, there is plenty of hope there for sure. Yeah. Uh, Good. Let's finish off with this. Uh, yep. Keep it brief. What is the Vikings record going to be for this upcoming season? You go first. I'm going to play off you. You go first. Okay. Well, I have to say, I think that there's been lots of good things in hap- that happened in the offseason. While I also do feel like um, it would be expected to take a bit of a step back uh, with this roster. I- I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say 10 and seven. I think that's yeah. I thought you might say that where this yeah. team is. And that feels a little bit safe in some ways. It feels it is like, safe. So, yeah. so I'll say this as much as I'd like to be the optimistic guy, it does feel like 10 and seven feels like that line. And if you had to say, you know what, you got to choose one way or the other. I feel like it, I would probably go towards nine and eight versus 11 and six. That That's, that's ex- basically exactly where I'm at as well. Here's the, here's the, the little, bit of sizzle that I'll add that you're not adding. 10 and 7 is kind of how I feel as well, which is super boring. 
Uh, and nine and eight is maybe a little more flavorful, but still kind of bland. What I'll say that's maybe a little bit better is that I think that record wins them the North. And so that, that's where I'll go with it. I don't think that gets you a wild card spot. I think you're probably the four seed as an NFC North champion and hosting a playoff game at home. So that that's that's where I'll kind of toss in my extra. Yeah, yeah. I again, we want to be positive, but I do feel like it does feel like that's that's a realistic expectation. I I don't think they're going to be a, a six and eleven team. I also don't think no. they're going to be no. a thirteen and four team again. Uh, that was a little no. bit of, of no. lightning in a bottle. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. So it does feel um, again. You never know what can happen, but but I think that's probably a realistic expectation. So uh, good. Yeah. We'll, we'll wrap up there. Uh, again, be sure to keep ch- checking in with us. We're uh, we've got some things in the pot- pipeline here. We're we're excited for an upcoming season. So uh, excited for next week to talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming Vikings Buccaneers game next mm-hmm. Sunday. Baker Mayfield. Sam Saver player. I am. I'm. I'm excited. I, I'm excited to yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, uh, see you. See what this team does, and, and enough of uh, all the predictions. So, uh, yeah, thanks yeah, everyone yeah. for listening. Be sure to check out. I know Kyle mentioned earlier, or doing lots of writing over at PurplePTSD.com. It's also good stuff happening at VikingsTerritory.com. Be sure to check that stuff out. Uh, but have a good week. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye.